When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hello, folks. This is the more money show this is steve moore this is wbc radio and we are live we are live today thanks for joining we are on every saturday afternoon on wbc and other affiliates uh from 1 to 2 p.m and it is my honor by the way to follow the kudlow show uh thank you all for uh, joining in if you're a regular listener uh, appreciate it we have good ratings and if you're new to the show i hope you enjoy it we talk about Money, we talk about politics, we talk about finance, and we have a good time on this show as well. So it, the hour will fly by. I'm really excited about the two guests that we're going to have on today uh, near the bottom of the hour, Monica Crowley. You all know Monica. She is a sweetheart. She's wonderful. She's a, uh, one of the uh, smartest um, analysts they have on Fox News. You see her almost every night, and she's a good friend. And I want to get her political perspective, and I'm going to have Anthony Esposito, who is one of the best financial analysts in the country with Scotia Bank, and so we're going to have a wonderful discussion, so please stay tuned for that. I'm going to try to squeeze in some calls at the end of the show today. I can't guarantee that we're going to be able to do that because we have a pretty jammed show. I want to start, by the way, with just this opening monologue to talk a little bit about President Trump uh, and also the upcoming debate and then also very briefly this uh, mythology that Bidenomics has been some kind of grand success. And let's start with Trump. Um, as many of you know, if you were listening to the Larry Kudlow show, Larry did a, an incredible interview with Donald Trump for over an hour uh, that showed on Fox News this uh, past week. And it was a, a blockbuster of an interview. And I was fortunate enough to be there uh, in uh, uh, New Jersey, uh, Bedminster, with uh, Larry and with President Trump. And then we had a really nice dinner with the president. And we were about four or five of us, of us including Newt Gingrich, the speaker. And uh, uh, we had uh, the great Linda McMahon, who was the former uh, Small Business Administration director, and my friend Brooke Rollins, who was uh, a, a one of the chief domestic policy advisors for Trump. And so anyway, I mentioned this dinner because uh, we spent about two hours with the president. And I have to tell you, I mean, his stamina, his optimism, the fact that he has just in the great spirits that he's in, I find to be remarkable. I mean, there has been no American in the last 50 years who has been so abused by the media by a corrupt Justice Department and FBI than Donald Trump. And I know people have very different opinions about Donald Trump. Sometimes I love him. Sometimes I, I get angry at him. Uh, his behavior sometimes is hard to justify. And I, I was sick to death about what happened on January 6th. 
But what the what President Trump did for our country in the four years that he was in office and the policies that he put in place were remarkably successful. And I know, again, I know maybe as much as half of this audience does not think highly of Donald Trump. Some of my best friends don't like Donald Trump. Some of my family members don't like Donald Trump. But I will say this, and I think you'll have to admit it. Even if you're someone who thinks that Donald Trump should not be reelected president, you may think he's a scoundrel. You may think he's guilty of some of these indictments. Uh, who knows? But you have to admit that the policy that Donald Trump put into place for our country were remarkably effective. And we had an economic boom in this country that we hadn't seen in 40 years. And the only thing that prevented Donald Trump from being reelected in 2020 was COVID. If it had not been for COVID and the change in the voting rules, there is no question that Donald Trump would still be president today. And so um, I just want to report to you that I saw kind of a new Donald Trump. Uh, you know, for the last year or two, he's been grousing. He's been angry at the world. He's complaining all the time about the election and this and that. That's a little bit behind him, not completely. But what, what I saw from Donald Trump at our dinner and in the interview that he did with Larry is a guy who has a vision for this country. And it is based on the old-fashioned principle of putting America first, which he made famous back in 2016. And I asked him, you know, Mr. President, when you are reelected, and I think there's a good chance he will be reelected, um, what, how long will it take for you to restore the prosperity that we had under your administration? And he said, look, Ray, right in the eye, he said, Steve, give me six months. He said, in six months, we will get the American economy booming again. And folks, I believe he can do that because he's done it before. Let's not forget that when Trump took over, he took over from Barack Obama and, you know, wonderful man, but a unsuccessful president when it came to his economic policies. We had years and years and years of very, very high unemployment under uh, Obama. We had you know, rising budget deficits uh, and the country was simply not headed in the right direction. Trump comes in, turned things around. Then Biden comes in. And of course, just about everything that Biden has done on the economy has been a failure. Uh Incidentally, the the uh, president Trump, Biden said the other day that he's created more jobs than any other president. I think most of you know that he's lying about that. He's counting the jobs that came back after COVID ended. As I said last week, you know, Donald Duck would have produced those jobs if he had been elected president. Those were just recovery jobs that had been created under Trump. Uh, but he says he's cut the deficit by $1.7 trillion. No, he hasn't. The deficit this year is going to be $2 trillion, one of the highest levels ever. He says he's brought gas prices down. Folks, have you been to the gas station lately? I was in uh, Virginia uh, a couple days ago, uh, filled up my tank, $4.39 a gallon for regular, for regular unleaded, four thirty nine a gallon. It was two forty nine a gallon when Trump left uh, the office. Did you see what's happening, folks, with the latest news on mortgage rates, the mortgage interest rate when Donald Trump left office, ready for this, 2.95% was a 30-year mortgage. Today, 7.1%. I mean, how do you screw things up so quickly? The more the uh, the uh, inflation rate, the consumer price index, when Trump left office, 1.6%. A year and a half later, Biden somehow took it up to 9.2%. We're still somewhere between 3 and 4%, and even I think that number is low. If gas prices are rising, that means inflation is going to go higher. So these things are not headed in the right direction. 
Um, it's hard to see anything that is headed in the right direction. Crime is headed in the wrong direction. Illegal immigration is headed in the wrong direction. Mortgage rates are headed in the wrong direction. Inflation is going to continue to rise. And by the way, the worst statistic of all for Biden is that um, since he has become president, depending on there's different studies on this, but somewhere between four and eight thousand dollars of lost income for the average American family. And that means Biden has made people poor. Now, how are they dealing with that? How are middle class families dealing with the high inflation? They're borrowing more. So you may have seen a statistic that came out just about three or four days ago. The, the amount of total Credit card debt by Americans is $1.06 trillion. Americans are borrowing more and more money just to run to keep in place. That's a very dangerous trend. Now, I want to say something because I've talked about Trump, but I want to be fair-minded and tell you that I think the Republicans have a fabulous um, array of candidates that are running for president. And I will be going to Milwaukee on Wednesday for the first presidential debate on the Republican side of the aisle. And I think there will be nine or ten candidates there. Uh, Donald Trump is not expected to be at that debate. He announced the other day he's not coming. But you know what? I know I know Donald Trump pretty well. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was a last-minute entry into that debate. Maybe I'm probably wrong about that, but I wouldn't put it past him. If he flew in that plane, uh, the Trump plane, into Milwaukee and he showed up, um, I'm not betting on it, but I think it's certainly a possibility. But let's say that he doesn't show up. What, what do we expect? Uh, what do I expect from that debate? Well, first of all, I think there's two candidates that we should really be focusing on. Although, as I said, I love all these candidates. I think we've got some really great people running for president, uh, except for Chris Christie. I'm not a big Chris Christie fan. Come on, Chris, just, you know, he's in that race just to tear down the president. But right now there's two candidates to be keeping an eye on. One is, of course, the great governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. And Ron DeSantis has not run a good campaign. He's been a fantastic governor. What he's done the state for Florida uh, of Florida has been incredible. I mean, Florida is just absolutely booming thanks to his great leadership. And he's done school choice. He's cut taxes. He's done economic development. People's incomes are rising. Boy, would I love to see all of America look like Florida. Uh, but for some reason, he's just not connecting with voters. I don't, and I can't explain it. Uh, he's only at about 10 to 12 percent in the polls right now. He's in second place, but he's a distant second from Trump, who's over 50 percent. Um, I'd like to see DeSantis make a little bit of run here. Let's let's have a competitive race. Uh, I have to confess, I'm for Trump. I'm a Trump guy. I'm one of his economic spokesmen. But I'd like to see uh, a, a a very competitive race. Now, by the way, I'm sure that President Trump isn't happy with my saying that, but but that's my attitude. Now, I want you to keep an eye on someone else, though, folks, in this race, who is the wild card. And he is just emerging as a real Republican superstar. And, of course, that's Vivek. Ramaswamy. And Vivek is a young guy. I've known him uh, for the last five or six years. And he's, yeah, how old is he? I think he's in his mid-30s, uh, maybe 36, 37. He's just barely old enough to run for president. But he is uh, making so much noise because he's putting great ideas out there. He wants to shut down the Department of Education and go with vouchers. I love that idea. Let's give that money to the parents and the, and the, and the families not have it go to the education blob. That would put $5,000 into the hands of every uh, parent with a, with a child. 
Uh, the other thing he wants to do, and I love this idea, you got to pass a citizenship test if you're under the age of 21 and you're going to vote. Now, I know some people don't like that. I, I love it. You got to know something about our country if you're going to vote. I'd love to hear your guys' responses to that. Um, I've, I've, uh, I am going to take a quick break now. Unfortunately, uh, time is up, but, uh, don't go away. We're going to hear from, uh, two of the best in the business on finances. Uh, that of course is, uh, is Ryan and Bob Payne. Uh, two great friends and two great money advisors. Listen to what they have to say. And then after we hear from the Paynes, we will be hearing from Monica Crowley and Anthony Esposito on what comes next for our country and what to do with your money. This is The More Money Show, and I'm Steve Moore. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. WABC. Hey, it's Ryan Payne and Bob Payne from Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E here in the More Money Show. Talking every week, the markets, the economy. And Bob, man, oh, man, Jay Powell always lets us down. You know, he never gives us a lot of clarity. We had the Federal Reserve chairman talking on Friday in Jackson Hole, and he just leaves you hanging. He says, well, you know, we're prepared to raise interest rates. Uh, it doesn't give you a lot of clarity on where they're going to bring that monetary policy. He's hard to put your finger on. Well, you know, Ryan, I hope he's getting compensated by the news media because – you know, quite frankly, not just the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell or any of the Federal Reserve Governors have any idea what they're going to do in a month when it comes to interest rates because they're data dependent, and they actually do. They actually wait until the week of the meeting, you know, to look at all the data, whether where inflation's going, whether they need to raise interest rates. So, you know, he, he really doesn't have anything to tell us because he doesn't know. He can't predict the future. You know, he's, he's, he's a financial guy, not a financial, financial magician. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. Um, he can't really see the future. And, you know, the market obviously loves clarity. You're not getting that clarity. But I think the bottom line is, and we've talked about this week after week, it's just that inflation is coming down <clears throat> precipitously, right? We're in a much better place than where we were last summer when the Fed chairman came out and spoke in Jackson Hole and the market sold off like 3% in one day. Uh, they were, they were much worse times. Now we're starting to see inflation moderate. You know, wages have remained strong. And a lot of the economic data out there has been, well, you know, pretty good. Well, the thing is, Rye, you know, there is an expression on Wall Street. You know, I hate to quote Wall Street because they're not the best people in the world, but they always say the trend is your friend. And the trend is for inflation going down. The trend for the economy is going up. Earnings are going up. And now you have a lot of investors because we've been in a corrective mode in the market for the last three weeks, aren't as bullish as they became three weeks ago. So the trend is your friend. Things look good. You've got to be invested now because right now is a good time to be in the market. Well, it's kind of an interesting time because, you know, all the naysayers, all the economists out there were warning about this big recession. You know, economy's going to fall off a cliff. We're going to see a big market sell-off this year. And, of course, it didn't happen. <laughs> but now no. – you know, since the market <clears throat> peaked back in July, we are seeing a little bit of selling, right? The market's off about 5% from its high. All the doom, uh, doomsayers are out again in droves telling you that 
it's coming. You know, market's ready to go down further. Economy's ready to fall off a cliff. And Bob, fool me once, you know, shame on me, but fool me twice, shame on you. I mean, I just think, you know, I'm not buying it. No, it's amazing, right? This time last year, you know, basically every economist predicted we would be in a deep recession. The market would be in a bear market. Um, now their concerns are, but, right? They just, you, you take a look at GDP now, which is a, a firm down in Atlanta that predicts the GDP for the quarter. Now they only have one month's worth of data, but the first month came in good, really good news. And they're predicting based on that number, 5.8% for the GDP. Now we just had a 2% quarter, two quarters in a row. Think about that. 5.8% is a gigantic increase in the gross domestic product. That's a lot of growth in the economy. And I'll argue, you know, you've heard a lot in the last year about, oh, good news is bad news. Bad news is good news. And I'm going to, you know, set the record straight right now, Bob. Good news is always good news. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that's true. I mean, housing starts came in better than expected last week. Retail sales came in better than expected. People are spending more. It was anticipated. Uh, you look at industrial production and other, uh, you know, just another metric about the healthy economy that was up last week. And, you know, going into the rest of the year, you know, we're starting to see that with shelter costs are going to start to come down. That should be good for the inflation number. So, you know, overall, we're, we're seeing good news in the economy. And I would argue good news. Well, that's good news. Well, you know, Ryan, you just threw a lot of facts at me and I couldn't even keep up, you know, because there's so much good news. But that's the whole point about investing. It's so complex. It's not based on one number, right? And you get, you know, get some economists, some strategists, somebody trying to make a name for themselves, you know, by predicting doom and gloom, you know, they hang their, their, you know, their shingle on one number and it, it is, it's offset by another number. It, it's so complex. You really don't, you know, you can't outguess the market. And again, the market's always right, right? It, you know, you can you can pretend to be right, but the market's always right, and the market's been telling all these pundits they've been dead wrong. Yeah, they have, and you're you're getting a little reprieve here in the stock market. And if you're looking to allocate your capital and you're thinking about retirement and getting your money to work, like don't wait. Um, the other problem is we've talked about this a lot. It's great you're getting five percent in your money market fund. It's been a long time since we've gotten some interest on our cash. However, you have serious reinvestment risk if it's money you don't need. It may sound prudent. I'll just sit in cash here in my 5% wait for things to settle down. Well, as you and I know, Bob, you say this all the time. Things don't settle down. They settle up. Um, <laughs> you miss the opportunity. And meanwhile, there's a good chance the Fed could start cutting interest rates next year. So all of a sudden, maybe you have money in a one-year treasury paying 5%. It comes due. And now you're only getting 3%. Or that money in the money market fund that's getting 5 that could be paying 3% next year because the Fed cuts interest rates. So you got to start thinking a little bit longer term when it comes to your portfolio. Um, and I think it's a big mistake right now just to have all your money sitting in cash. It feels good, but the, the reality of it is if, if the economy is as good as we think it is, you know, markets are trading at a reasonable multiple right now. You know, this is the time to get invested. Don't wait because once you have certainty, you've missed the opportunity. You know, I've been in the business almost 50 years and, and, and it's amazing. I'm probably one of the few advisors still standing. That remembers what a bear market in bonds looks like, right? We just had one recently, but we, that, that took 40 years for that to happen. So history's repeating itself. And I remember back in seventies and eighties, we got up to a 19% interest rate on money market funds. We were able to buy 14 and a quarter percent 30 year treasury bonds. And guess what investors wanted to do? They wanted to sit in the money market fund at 19%. Now, you know, that went all the way to zero. You know, over the number of years, if you invested your money across the yield curve, right? If you invested in different bonds at higher interest rates, you made a ton of money. So just remember, history often 
It doesn't always repeat, but it often rhymes. Don't make the same mistake that people did back in the 70s and 80s, sitting in short-term money market funds, you know, hoping that rate would stay up forever. It, it's not. It's transitory. Yeah, and meanwhile, if you start looking at the earnings picture, we're starting to see guidance is going upwards on revision. So, you know, earnings are going to start to be very good going to next year for companies. So the stars are aligning here. No recession, strong earnings growth. The world's not going to end very often. If you're thinking to yourself right now, I get it, Bob and Ryan, you're right. The world isn't going to end. I need to get my retirement plan together. I need to get serious about what I'm doing with my money. Well, here's your shot to do it. We have 10 slots. We keep them open for the show. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We look at everything. There's not a firm out there that will do this work up front. We go as far as building you, your own personalized financial portal. We'll give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life and just hone in on every financial issue you need to address today. Whether it's an income plan for retirement, how do you draw from your portfolio? How do you take Social Security? There's a lot of ways to take it. One right way for you. How do you factor in inflation? Your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. Did you account for that in your portfolio? We're going to put together a full dynamic income plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been like a yo-yo the last two years. Has your portfolio been up and down like a yo-yo as well? Or have you been sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, and can't figure out what to do? We're going to put together a full investment game plan. Tie it to your goals show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high cost, tax inefficient products, whether it's an annuity, mutual fund, insurance product, brokerage product, structured product. We're going to go through every investment that you have, a full deep dive, show you where all the hidden costs are, show you how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. We have 10 slots open if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-7692. That's 844-752-6692. Or simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation, there's no cost, no other firm on Wall Street that will do this for you, but you're not going to have a plan if you don't text or call right now. 844-752-6692, that's 844-752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC, that's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, one of the bigger risks that we've seen this last week in the stock market is any company can have a really bad day. Like we saw this week, Foot Locker was down 68% in five days. Dick's Sporting Goods was down 26%. Macy's was down 15%. Peloton was down a whopping 78% in five days. That really hurts. So I thought we could talk a little bit today about one of the big risks we see at our firm, pain capital management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. When we analyze someone's portfolio, is owning individual stocks is extremely risky and can derail your entire retirement. Right. It's, it's, it's extremely risky in that you can lose a lot of money, not make a lot of money. It's amazing to, to realize that the average stock that's been traded in your lifetime is underperformed a treasury bill. Right. In other words, you took a lot of risk to make less money than a guaranteed investment. To me, that's not a risk worth taking. No, it's not. And I think we forget what the downside 
risk looks like. Like this year, technology's done really well. Um, everyone's talking about NVIDIA stock. It's up over 220%, which is just a, a mind-numbing return. It's awesome. And we all start to think, man, I'd love to get a big return like that. The problem is the downside risk is worse. Like look at NVIDIA last year from peak to trough. At one point, it was down 65%. And you're really going to ask yourself, like, can you afford in your portfolio to see your net worth go down by 50 60%? If you have a $3 million portfolio, all of a sudden it goes to $1.5 million, how are you going to feel if that happens? And I think we really discount just how much risk owning individual stocks can be. And then when they go down, they go down quick. And it happens like literally with the snap of a finger. Yeah, but Rye, come on. You're taking all the fun out of it. What are you going to talk about at cocktail parties, right? Hey, I own Peloton. <laughs> hey, I bought it at 128 and now it's five. Wow. Let's, uh, let's get excited, right? You never hear that at a cocktail party. Y'all heard about, Oh, I bought Peloton on the new issue and now it's at 130, right? Uh, so it, the problem is, it's that, you know, a lot of these companies, you're analyzing information where you don't have any idea what, how that information can change. Um, and you take companies like, um, Sorry, three, two. You take a company like Enron, right? Enron was the darling of Wall Street years and years ago. It turned out they were falsifying the results. So even if you're the smartest analyst in the world, you're able to analyzing bad information, you're going to have a bad result. Yeah, we see this recently too. I mean, we analyze probably like 50 portfolios a month. You know, we know what everyone's doing out there. We know what our competitors are doing. Um, and what you find is you have so much concentrated risk right now because a lot of you, you may own like Microsoft in your portfolio. Amazon, NVIDIA, and then you own all these different funds. And then when you open up the hood on those funds and see what stocks are in there, it's all the same stocks. And most portfolios, they skew towards technology, which is great when it's going up. But last year, technology was down over 30% and it can happen again. So I think, you know, one of the biggest risks that we see right now in your portfolio is you have a lot of what we call overlap and you don't know it because it's kind of deceiving, right? On, on Wall Street, they build all these products and these mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, and they all have these fancy names. But when you look under the hood, Bob, they all own the same positions, and you end up with concentrated risk. Yeah, I mean, that happened a lot with a, a group called the Janus Funds. You know, back in, in 2000, you know, people hired Janus Funds because they had a great track record. And they said, well, I'm going to diversify. I'm going to buy all six or seven of their funds. And it turned out they all owned the same stocks in those six or seven funds, even though they had different names. And the same thing happens today because, remember, these are investment companies that are marketing their funds to you. They're selling you the fund. You don't buy these funds. They're marketed to you. So you got to be very careful when you look at a, what you think is a diversified portfolio. It turns out you have a highly concentrated position. And the thing yeah, is, Ryan, happens- why take more risks than necessary? Yeah, no, it's a great point, and that's the problem. With most of the portfolios that we see and most of your retirement plans, what we see right now is you're taking more risk than you have to. And at the end of the day, you just want to make sure that your retirement's secure. You want to be able to lock in as much return as you can. And really, we always like to say, stack the cards in your favor. And taking on unnecessary risk and risk you probably don't know you're taking is a big problem. And this is why, you know, one of our biggest beliefs is you want to manage everything in concert. You want to know what every account's doing. And you want to know, make sure each account is diversified properly. If you have a 401k over here, maybe you have a broker over here, an advisor over here, a lot of times you're getting different advice. But when you look at the actual investments, you you own the same thing everywhere. <laughs> you know, so you really <laughs> got to understand what you own over every single account that you have. You know, it's also, 
what a lot of us don't come equipped with is experience, right? We don't know what we don't know. Uh, I fortunately do know a lot about investing uh, because I made that mistake, right? I had all my money in one stock. That would be the company I used to work for. And thank goodness my financial advisor follows the advice that we give our clients on diversification and got me out of that stock. And I guess still thank you for doing that for me, son, because otherwise I'd have blown my brains out. They would have been lost so much money having all my money in the stock that went to zero. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and you don't know what can happen with any company, right? Like I worked at, at Merrill Lynch. I was inside the company, but no one warned me back in the financial crisis that they were leveraging up mortgages over there in the North Tower, uh, on the other side of the business. So it was a big surprise to me and everyone else that worked at the firm that all of a sudden the stock almost went to zero and was bought by Bank of America. So, you know, the point is, even if you think you have the pulse of a stock and you're going to know, you can never really know. And the problem is when market sells off or a stock sells off, it gaps down like we saw with a lot of those stocks this last week, like we mentioned Dick Sporting Goods and Foot Locker. So it's just, it's so dangerous. Um, and I think most of us don't realize the the real risk we have in our portfolio. And again, if you don't need a lot of risk, you shouldn't take a lot of risk. Managing risk is one of the key components to a safe, comfortable retirement. And most of us aren't adhering to that. You know, I've always been an internal optimist, and especially when it comes to the financial markets, because they always reward you. And if you stay invested over time, you know, you're going to have a positive return. So the key is, is put yourself in a position to stay invested and make sure you get the winners in your portfolio by investing in them ahead of time. Now, nobody knows what they are, and that's why it's important to own index funds, to own things where you're going to have the winners of the future. It's better to find out later that you own them when they're up as opposed to trying to figure out which ones they are now and putting your money at risk unnecessarily. Yeah, and if you're thinking to yourself right now, okay, I get it. You know, Risk management is key. I don't want to take more risk than I have to to make sure I'm secure in retirement. Well, here's your shot to get that second opinion. Make sure you're not taking too much risk. We literally have four slots left. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for your now famous total financial master plan. And we're going to give you a bird's eye view of everything you're doing right now, a holistic review that no other firm out there is willing to do up front. In fact, we'll build you your own personalized financial portal. We'll give you that bird's eye view of your entire financial life. And we'll just hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement, the best way to draw from your portfolio is when the paycheck stops. How to take Social Security. How to factor in inflation. Inflation literally is going to double over the next 20 years. You need to account for that in your plan. We're going to build you a dynamic income plan that factors in inflation so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been extremely volatile all over the place over the course of the last two years. Has your portfolio been like a yo-yo too? Or have you been sitting in cash Paralysis by analysis, you just can't figure out what to do. We're going to put together a full investment game plan. We're going to show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life and tie it into your goals. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you those high-cost annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, structured products, insurance products. We are going to do a deep dive of every investment you own, show you where all the hidden costs are, and show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's now what you make. It's what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. We have four slots left if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. 
NYC. If you're one of our next four callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost. You won't have a plan if you don't text or call right now. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob, simply go to BeBullish.com. That's BeBullish.com. You can learn about our firm, Pain Capital Management. That's P-A-Y-N-E. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, Treasury bond yields stayed elevated while stock prices levitated snapping a three-week losing streak for the markets as stocks shook off some early concerns as investors reacted to Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell's speech at Jackson Hole. The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped five-tenths of one percent, marking its second straight week of declines. The S&P 500, however, rose eight-tenths of a percent, snapping a three-week losing streak, while the Nasdaq Composite rose 2.3 percent, snapping its own three-week losing streak. Now, optimism was fueled, in part, by Powell's confidence in continued economic growth in the U.S., as he cited especially robust consumer spending and early signs of a recovery in the housing market. He reiterated the central bank's commitment to pull inflation back down to its 2% goal. The Federal Reserve is data-dependent, so Powell gave no clear indication of which way he sees interest rates heading, simply because he doesn't know what he's going to do until the day of the next meeting, and there is a ton of key data to consider between now and that next meeting in September. After the speech, investors in interest rate futures markets saw a nearly 20% chance that the Fed would raise rates at its meeting next month. But the probability of an increase in November edged up to around 50%. But just like Powell, they also don't know what's unknowable. Meanwhile, the first GOP primary debate is in the books, and we are officially off to the races for 2024's presidential election. Right now, there isn't any way to know who will win the nomination for either party, but it won't stop the media from predicting dire consequences for both the economy and the markets if their preferred party doesn't win, not to mention those annoying political commercials. The good news for the markets is politics, based on the history of the presidential cycle, actually point to the positive. Years three and four of the presidential cycle are stronger than years one and two, with both historically delivering S&P 500 returns above the annualized average since 1925. Returns in year three tend to be front-end loaded, but they're still typically fine overall in the year second half. Need I remind anybody that so far this year, year three of the presidential cycle, the S&P 500 is up a whopping 16% year-to-date. Now, year four, too, tends to be positive much more often than not, with the S&P 500 rising 83% of the time. So if you enjoy watching those early verbal sparring matches, go on, have your fun. Well, if you would much rather spend time on family, friends, your golf and pickleball games, ignore the noise. Stay invested. Stick to your financial plan. History, as it turns out, is on your side. The plan is only useful if it can survive reality. And a future filled with unknowns is everybody's reality. Hey, my son, Ryan, and I, we have 75 years of combined Industry experience of building low-cost, 
tax-efficient, goal-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need is to text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy, he's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show. Show on WABC Radio. Thank you so much for taking some of your Saturday afternoon and uh, joining the show. By the way, uh, in the Washington, D.C. area, it is an absolutely glorious day. I hope it is where you are. And after this show is over, I hope you will get out and enjoy the sunshine and fresh air and get some exercise out there. But we're going to do some mental exercise now with two of the best in the business. I've been really uh, looking forward to this segment because uh, these two guests are both backed by popular demand, two of the great crowd pleasers. Uh, I'm talking about Monica Crowley, who you all know from Fox News. She's on uh, Fox almost every day and every night uh, and was um, one of the leading officials in the uh, Trump Treasury Department, um, has a long, distinguished career. Monica, thanks for joining. And then, of course, we have Anthony Esposito, who is um, the one of the chief financial advisors at Scotia Bank, and I think one of the best in the business in terms of explaining what's happening in financial markets. So, Anthony, uh, thank you to you as well for joining. Uh, Monica, I want to start with you because President Trump was bragging about you the other day. I had dinner with uh, Larry Kudlow and uh, and uh, Newt Gingrich and President Trump at, uh, at Bedminster. And he kept saying, I love that Monica Crowley. She's the best on TV. So congratulations. We were all jealous <laughs> that he likes you so much. But you're doing an awesome job. So I want to get a quick handicap of what you think. Uh, is Trump going to win this nomination? And he is he. And, and the question I get asked every day by my listeners is, can Trump win? Well, first of all, it's great to be with you on this glorious August Saturday afternoon. Steve, thank you for having me. Great <laughs> to join with, with Anthony as well. And thank you for that huge compliment. It's always a big thrill every time you... you well, he mentioned you twice. He brought you up wow. twice. He kept saying, we need Monica Crowley. I want you to be <laughs> President Trump's press secretary. Uh, and by the way, you can't be any worse than the current press secretary of the president. <laughs> so you would be perfect for that job. Well, thank you. And yes, the current one has certainly uh, lowered the bar dramatically for that job. That is true. Um, well, that's very nice to hear. So thank you. And of course, I have been one of President Trump's very first supporters, literally from the moment he came down the escalator, June of 2015. I looked at him. I looked at the situation. I looked at the country and I said, not only is he going to be the Republican nominee, he's going to pull the whole thing off. And I remember getting a lot of slings and arrows at the time for saying it, but I was proven right. And I think, you know, going into next year, obviously, there's a lot of water under the bridge here uh, with President Trump. But there's also been a lot of clarity to Stephen Anthony in terms of what we now know about the existential threat 
that President Trump poses to the entire corrupt ruling class and all of the globalists. He must be destroyed because he cannot be allowed to succeed. Because if he succeeds, that spells the end of their entire corrupt gravy train and their great reset agenda which Mm -hmm. requires the end of America, certainly the end of free market capitalism and all the things that that you talk about every week on this show, Steve. So we now know what the reality is, but we also know what the stakes are. So number one, I think this primary is over. Uh, I think with every indictment, Donald Trump has gotten stronger in the Republican field. He now leads his closest competitor, who is now Vivek Ramaswamy and not Governor DeSantis, which is stunning. Um, but he leads his nearest competitor by 40, in some cases, even 50 points. Yeah. So for all intents and purposes, this primary is over. And to your now, second Now, Monica, let me just interrupt you yeah. for a second. So I agree with everything you've just said. I think it is almost a fait accompli at this point that he will be the nominee. Uh, although, I would, you know, there's, uh, it ain't over till it's over. But um, the big question is, you know, if Republicans nominate, Trump, are we just playing right into the Democrats' hands? Because I can't tell you how many people whose opinions I greatly respect, including my friends at the Wall Street Journal editorial board, who say Donald Trump cannot win. Well, to the people who say Donald Trump cannot win, I say, well, he won twice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, So there's that. Uh, To me, the real question here, Stephen Anthony, is will the deep state allow Donald Trump to win again. That is the real big question. So I think if it were a fair election, Donald Trump would walk away with this. But we know that the Democrats uh, cheat and rig elections in all kinds of ways, most of which are legal. Uh, They have found ways around it. Mark Zuckerberg's half a billion dollars and so on to get out the vote, ballot harvesting, uh, ballot curing, all the things that they do. Um, So our side better get on the ball. And, you know, time is short here until the next election to make sure that we can mirror what they're doing on the legal side. I'm talking about Monica, Uh, going quick. I want to get to Anthony. I want to ask you a quick one quick question about this, you know, the legal stuff, (laughs) so to speak, these indictments. If Trump is found guilty under one of these, I don't know, I don't know how many indictments there are, four, five, six. I mean, I, I was saying to Larry Kudlow, he'll probably be indicted next week for crossing the street. But if he were to be found guilty, and, you know, this is going to be in Washington, D.C., it's going to be tough for Trump to get a fair trial. Uh, can he still serve as president? Well, he can't get a fair trial in any of these jurisdictions except for maybe the Florida one. He may be able to get something of a fair trial there. But Washington, D.C., New York City, forget it. He's not he's they're railroading him and they're doing it on purpose. Uh, They want to secure a conviction in one or more of these jurisdictions that they want the man in prison. They want him behind bars and they're not going to stop until they get there. But, you know, these these trials take a long time to impanel juries, to go through motions and all of these other things. It's going to take forever. And if, in fact, there is a conviction before the trial, Donald Trump will, of course, appeal that conviction. In the federal cases, it can go all the way to the Supreme Court. They can overturn it. So we have a long way to go here. I think the left's objective is next year tie him up in court literally all day, every day with four different cases, 
drain his resources so that yeah. he's got to spend all of his money of on legal bills and can't really focus yeah. and fly around the country. Yeah. That of is course. their ultimate goal in addition to trying to get him behind all right. bars. All right. Let me get to, let me get to Anthony, uh, now. Anthony, thanks for holding. Uh, you are one of the top financial analysts in the country. I have to confess, Anthony, that I find myself quite befuddled by this economy. You know, the latest report out by the uh, Federal Reserve Bank is the economy is picking up some steam. Uh, that looks like the second, the second quarter was decent. The third quarter is looking like it might even be better. Uh, and yet we have all these weights that Biden has put on the economy. And I'm trying to figure out what to do with my money, Anthony. I mean, the stock market's been on a bit of a roll for the last month or two. How do you see this? How do you see it playing out over the next six months? Hey, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. Um, really a pleasure to join you and Monica this afternoon. Um, so the market has been really interesting. If we just focus on on the U.S. capital markets, uh, we obviously had a, a peak to draw, draw down from 2021 to October of 22 of about 30 yep. percent, just shy of 30 percent. And we actually found ourselves rallying back. As we rallied back, I was out to the clients throughout that rally where we had, you know, typically long and short moves within the move. But as we broke above the 4,200 level on the S&P front month futures, which is what I model, um, I started calling for 4,500, and then I called for a 4,631 top uh, to the penny. Uh, actually, that top marked the March 22 peak uh, of 4,631. Our peak recently was 4,634. So we actually missed – we overshot by literally three handles on the S&P. We're now down 6% from that resistance level, which – we had identified really in early July, which was really. So hold on, you're do. saying we're six percent down from the peak that we had uh, several weeks ago? Is that? Yes, and that peak okay. matched the March 22 peak. So the point of where are the capital markets? I see the U.S. the U.S. S&P 500 as the proxy in a situation where we got way over our skis. Uh, momentum has faded as we were hitting that new high on that move up. We saw momentum shift to negative, which is something I focus on very closely. Uh, mm-hmm. We also saw volatility, which has been so subdued as realized vol in the options market and and implied vol in the options market had drawn down so much, meaning there wasn't a lot of fear. So people talk about the VIX index and the fear index. That VIX index was really dragging along the bottom of the barrel, but I saw some signs that it was going to pick up in early July, and we've now seen that. So coming off of the recent highs where everybody was so over their skis and it was all, you know, Mm -hmm. artificial intelligence, tech driving the rally, small caps were kind of, you know, struggling a little bit, industrials may be a rotation in, energy may be a rotation in. Uh, we're now seeing momentum get sucked out of the market, the market coming back from a really strong long-term resistance level, two- to three-year resistance level. And I do see some downside here um, on the trade down to uh, about 12% lower to 3,800, which is where I have the S&P marked as a downside target on this move. Um, that's not so- to say that a long-term investor shouldn't stay invested and be invested, but I do think that the stock market is sending a signal, and that signal is – we got ahead of ourselves, and we're now going to mm-hmm. pull back. And so now isn't the best time to be putting a lot of new money into the market, is what you're saying? I would agree with that statement. I do not now, think now is if you let, Yeah, okay. So let me just ask you about, just to amplify two things you were saying. One is with AI. You know, I had Kathy Wood on from ARC 
uh, a week or two ago. She's really high on artificial intelligence. She thinks it's going to change the world. She thinks it's going to have amazing impact on uh, just the way we work, the way we play, the way we buy things. And she's also high on uh, uh, the medical, you know, gene therapy and things of that nature. Um, so she's pretty optimistic about the future of the country in terms of these new industries that are developing. Um, and I wonder, well, let's just stick with AI because everybody's so focused on that. Those stocks have had a big run up, but do you think that they're, this is a good time to, are they priced out or is it good, this is a good time to get involved in, in AI investments? So as uh, the, the short answer is, um, NVIDIA has a price to earnings ratio of 210, yep. which it could go much higher. The short answer is uh, things that are going to change the world and improve our lives and be growth engines and growth stocks or sectors moving forward. That can happen even with a 20, 30, 40, 50% drawdown in those names in the short term. So I think her, I mean, she's extremely intelligent, extremely successful. And I think over the course of time, yeah, the, this technology will continue to drive innovation and continue to drive stock value and the markets and this great country and this world. But over the near term on a trade, could these AI stocks get cut in half? I would argue yes. And part of that is in a bear market, we talk about correlations all the time with my clients. Correlations go to one when we come down hard. When the market is crashing, there is nowhere to hide, right? We always hear this <laughs> right. kind of, you know, um, and that's what will happen with these names. Will some sectors outperform, meaning they're down 38% and not 45% as random numbers? Sure. But will correlations really just scream towards one where everything's coming down in those bear market scenarios, in those draw of capital out of the market scenario? Absolutely. So I think oh, we can both great. be right, and I think it comes down to timing. Great advice. So, uh, Monica, back to you then. You know, we have an economy that's picked up a little bit of a steam. Certainly it's better today than it was last summer when we had 9.2% inflation. But there are so many other worry signs out there, Monica, on the economy. Obviously, you know, there's no way Biden can win if we, if the economy isn't good. And right now it's, it's decent. Uh, but I guess the question I have for you is can Trump, can Trump make the case that things were much better when he was president than they are now. I think he can, and he, he, he thinks he can. What would you advise him to be talking about? He absolutely can, and he should be making this case on the economic side all day, every yep. day. Yep. Because, look, the American people don't need to reach back 40 years to remember what a booming economy was like, say, under Ronald Reagan. They only right. have to reach back two or three years to remember what a booming economy was like under Donald right. Trump. Right. And it was because of tax cuts, regulatory relief, unleashing our great energy sector, and fair trade deals. Those four pillars delivered a robust economy for all Americans. It was a rising tide that lifted all boats across yep. all demographics. So because the memory of a strong economy is so fr fresh for most Americans, they're going to look back and say, okay, wait a minute, this is now in stark relief. But Donald Trump is going to be, um, is going to have to, uh, take take the bull by the horns and remind the American people of this, right? Because people's memories are short. Right. So he's got to remind them of that. He is always at his best 
when he is focused on policy yep. and not personality or shooting from the hip. I mean, that is his <laughs> style. But when yeah. he's focused on issues, particularly economic ones, yes. which are his strengths, um, he is going to be way out in front, not just of the current Republicans, but way out in front of Biden or Gavin uh, Newsom or Michelle Obama yep. or whomever the Democrats choose to run. That's Monica Crowley, uh, formerly of the Treasury Department. You know her for, uh, from Fox News. Anthony Esposito, back to you from Social Bank. Uh, this is a money and politics show, and I, I was wondering, you know, how do you see the presidential election as we, we turn to the funny season of, uh, of, you know, electoral politics? Certainly is going to be the dominant story of 2024. How do you see that? affecting people's investments and how they invest. You know, I think I would go back to I would go back to the first time around um, where people were looking to invest in a, a free market. People were looking yep. to invest in a market where growth was encouraged and where um, companies were encouraged to to put money to work um, and return money to investors. So I think overall uh, we could take all the all the politics and the gimmicks aside and all the indictments and, and the name calling and everything. I think Donald Trump uh, gives whether it's what people say and investors say outright for other reasons or not. Donald Trump creates a scenario where this market can grow and people would be more confident in investing in U.S. equity markets versus where we are right now. And yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Back. I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, Anthony, one other quick question about the, uh, you know, you talked about the U.S. I wonder, uh, obviously, you look at the global situation as well. China, what's your take? I mean, they've slowed down. Is the China market going to come back? Are there some buying opportunities in some of these uh, Chinese companies, or are they in sort of kind of a long-term decline? So that's a really great question. Um, the, the FXI, the Chinese large cap index, reached its peak in February of 21 and then sold off a subsequent 60%. So mark that to the U.S. markets, which sold off about 27%. Um, they've now bounced. They're still down about 50% from that high. But what's really interesting about the Chinese market is um, the Chinese Communist Party feels the need to now intervene in that market. So what they've done is they've actually asked authorities to have some investment funds avoid net selling inequities. They've asked officials to encourage companies listed on their star board, which is a tech-heavy, call it their NASDAQ board, to buy back shares. Um, they are definitely in a position, aside from, from you know, intervention with the currency, they're in a position where you can see, you can see a little bit of a scramble top-down in China, and the markets mm -hmm. have not bounced and are not as strong technically as the U.S. markets have and are. So I would say China is still a red flag at this point. Um, I think yeah. it has some work to do. The equity markets have some technical work to do as far as the charting, which is clear, obviously, where I live. Um, there's some work to do there to show some some real return or, or uh, kind of retracement back towards those highs. And with the, the, the government in China intervening the way it is, I think it, it sends a, a little bit of a, a scary signal and a warning sign. So those markets for me are still – not only are those markets dangerous, but that overflow and as a leading indicator into the U.S. and developed markets, uh, Western markets, is also um, concerning. So what, just quick, uh, one other quick question. Uh, what, other, what country do you like right now? 
I think the U.S. remains the safe haven. Um, wow. To be perfectly wow. honest with you, the U.S. has always been and will remain a yep. safe haven. Um, short of any major event, uh, short of any, we've seen actually Mexico have a really great yep. year and outperform massively. But um, net net, uh, from my view and from all the clients I speak to, um, the United States remains the safe haven market. Great answer. I love that. I love that answer. Okay, Monica, um, I got to challenge you or something, uh, Monica, that you said, Monica, where you said you claim that you knew that Donald Trump was going to win in 2016 from the time he came down that escalator. And, uh, you know, I remember when that happened and I thought, what is this, some kind of a publicity scheme by this guy? You know, I didn't know much about Donald Trump. But are you being totally honest? You knew he was going to win. I knew he was going to win. I knew it <laughs> viscerally, Steve. Um, and I've told him this story. By the way, Monica, actually... Monica, nobody else thought he was going to win. <laughs> People claim so now, but I actually have the record because I went on Fox News. Okay. I went on Bill O'Reilly. I went on Don Imus. Literally okay. within a couple of di- weeks of Trump coming down the escalator, and I said, guys, stop laughing. Do not underestimate him. He is going yes. to pull the whole thing off. So, and you know, President oh, Trump oh, saw me say that. All right, Monica, I'm going to take your word for it. I got one minute left. Is Donald Trump going to be the next president of the United States? Yes. <laughs> how, how confident are you of that? <laughs> Well, again, the big question is, will the deep state allow him to be president again? That's the question. And that those are the dark forces we all have to fight. Yeah. So, Anthony, uh, last question for you. Uh, By the way, thanks to both of you for taking some time off on the Saturday afternoon and joining me. This has been a great conversation. And uh, and our listeners love to get your advice and sage investment uh, strategies. Just taking into, I know you don't get involved in politics too much, Anthony, but assuming that Monica is right, and she's oftentimes right, not always right, but she's most of the time right, uh, do, how do you see that? I mean, if people, if you thought that Trump was going to win the election, is that going to cause fear or is that going to cause some excitement uh, from investors? 